the you know the even the Zhuhan Macau Bridge would be better utilized. So it's mm. this this sort of infrastructure and, network need to be looked at holistically. And how do these things help um, boost jobs? Well, obviously, you you create you create you create jobs by uh, you know building uh, you know in various part of Hong Kong the construction workers uh, as well as all sort of um, uh, uh, service uh, providers and professionals that that need to be involved in all these uh, uh, project planning and buildings. And uh, I think it's obviously a classic way uh, to 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 for for government uh, to best bend uh, the investment. Uh, particularly, we are under investors, so it's a bit of a catching up uh, for future economic growth and also what is the best time to do investments. It's obviously the time where the economic is, uh, is slowing down and the financing cost is low, the construction cost is lower. So it's probably uh, the best time to do it. But obviously, you know, like, like buying stock, you know, you know that you should buy low and sell high, but most of people will chase high and sell low. And so hopefully, mm. but hopefully in, in terms of public investment, we don't do the same. We, we would invest in the low point. Stephen, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much Thank for you. coming in this morning. That's Stephen Wong, Deputy Executive Director and Head of Public Policy Institute at our Hong Kong Foundation. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. A final look at the markets for this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is motoring ahead. It's up two-thirds of one percent now. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is down a third of a percent. Similar story in Japan, the Nikkei 225 also down a third of a percent. Looks like now the Hang Seng is going to open about two-thirds of one percent lower that will shave off about 160 170 points from the Hang Seng index Brent crude oil trading this morning at $43.40 a barrel and gold is at $1,899 an ounce thank you very much for listening this morning do please join me again tomorrow morning at eight o'clock the weather forecast mainly cloudy with sunny periods the maximum temperature is going to be about 28 degrees the strong monsoon signal is still in force and the outlook is for sunny periods in the next couple of days slightly cooler Early next week, it's 25 degrees right now, 72% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The U.S. State Department has warned of sanctions against financial institutions doing business with officials accused of undermining Hong Kong's autonomy. Here's Steve Dunthorne. In a report to Congress, the State Department named 10 people, including Chief Executive Carrie Lam, all of whom have already been sanctioned, and said within 60 days it would identify financial institutions that conduct significant transactions with them. The US-Hong Kong Autonomy Act, signed into law in July, required the State Department to list those people it deemed responsible for what it called China's failure to meet its obligations towards its SIR within 90 days and set out what action is going to be taken against them. Another sanctioned official, former police chief Stephen Lowe, no longer appears on the list. The Thai authorities have issued an emergency decree to disperse large anti-government demonstrations that have continued overnight outside the Prime Minister's office in Bangkok. Here's the BBC's Will Leonardo. The early morning decree came as thousands of protesters were camped out for the night by Government House. Security forces promptly moved in to clear the streets with video and social media showing them facing off against demonstrators. Gatherings of more than four people are now banned in the Thai capital, while restrictions have been placed on the media. Two protest leaders have been arrested. The emergency decree accused the protests of inciting chaos and threatening national security, specifically mentioning the moment some anti-government demonstrators obstructed the royal motorcade on Wednesday. While the Prime Minister and former Army Chief Priot Chan Cha has been the focus of their ire. Many protesters have also been calling for reform of Thailand's powerful monarchy. Scuffles broke out with royal supporters on Wednesday. 
French President Emmanuel Macron has announced a nighttime curfew for Paris and other cities from Saturday to combat what he called the worrying spread of coronavirus. Police will fine people around 160 US dollars for being without for being out without good reason between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. Mr. Macron said the measures would be in force for six weeks. If during these six weeks we follow the curfew, we act collectively to reduce the number of contacts. That's the point at which we think we can progressively start to open up again. I'm being very careful here because experience has shown that we cannot control everything. We can't outline everything, but six weeks seems to us to be the best duration for our actions. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Nixie Lamb. Nixie, good morning good to morning. you. Good morning. Today we're talking about privacy of teachers and President Xi's visit to Shenzhen. The former chief executive CY Lung has published personal information on what he claims are 18 teachers prosecuted for protest-related offences, including their names, ages and details of their schools. In a Facebook post titled Outrageous, he says the Education Bureau, the Professional Teachers Union, schools and their sponsoring bodies have all neglected parents' right to know who these teachers are. It comes two weeks after he took education authorities to court for failing to publicly identify those found guilty of professional misconduct. Is this fair to teachers? Is it fair to parents not to tell them? Does it amount to doxing? Do you agree or disagree with his actions? Let us know. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email, email us, bankchat at rthk.hk. You can call us on 233-88266. And in the second part of the programme, After 9, we'll be talking about President Xi's visit to Shenzhen and the impact that could bring to us in Hong Kong. And uh, once again, as ever, give us a call, 233-88266, uh, with your views. Joining us for the first topic, uh, we have with us now uh, Ip Kin Yun, education sector lawmaker, and Kerry Kennedy, Professor Emeritus and Advisor of Academic Development in the Department of Curriculum and Instruction at the Education University of Hong Kong. I've got some emails and comments as well, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, uh, Ip Kin Yun, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for morning. joining us. Um, uh, as we say, CY Lung says that uh, parents have a a right to know what's going on with with their teachers. Uh, do you disagree with that? I think a parents' right is important. Uh, they should have a right to uh, know a lot of things. But uh, I think well, uh, the uh, release of names of the teachers, uh, so-called you know, uh, you know, uh, misconducted teachers, uh, we have to think about it. We have to look at uh, the other uh, perspectives as well. Uh, firstly, I think well, um, the most important thing is uh, when we are releasing any names, we might infringe the privacy of the of those teachers. And at the same time, we have to consider whether we have the legitimate right to do so. Uh, if we are talking about other professionals, for example, lawyers, uh, accountants, or, or so on. Uh, if we are going to release the names of those people uh, uh, who, who, uh, who, who are under investigations or who have already been uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, proved to be, uh, have some kind of uh, professional misconduct, uh, their names will be released. But uh, this is according to the law. There are law, firstly, uh, safeguarding the rights in all in, in the 
throughout the uh, you know, procedures in the investigation, and also uh, you know, they have uh, a, a very fair opportunity to defend themselves in the hearing, uh, and so on. So the whole process is being uh, stipulated in the law, and also uh, you know, uh, the, the, there is a professional organization, professional body, to oversee the whole thing and to make the final decision of that. So uh, it's just like uh, a court case. You know, if there is a court case, uh, not all the names will be released, we will, or we will know the names. But if this is yeah, but the information that Siwa Luan posted online was all available on newspaper. I think it's a gather of information from all the newspapers. It's a public source, uh, well, then. Well, uh, we are talking about different things. Uh, firstly, uh, what, uh, Mr. Leung has been talking about releasing the names of those of uh, committing uh, professional misconduct. And what That's the judicial review did, which is underway, yeah? Well, what oh, he's trying to be secret. is about uh, those who, who uh, were in court cases. Uh, the prior ones, uh, it's not about court cases. So... I think he is skillfully uh, you know, avoiding that you know, uh, problem. But we are actually talking about two things. And for the prior issue, I think we have to make clear that there is no legitimate uh, uh, power of anyone to release the information of any name. Do so you think it's important to protect anyone's privacy? Yes, I think uh, it's important. So it's a universal value to applicable to everyone. Yes, we have to protect, uh, uh, we have to strike a balance. I think, well, uh, on one hand, I think we, it's very important to protect the uh, students. And on the other hand, I think for teachers, uh, you know, they are also, uh, they should also enjoy uh, the kind of protect and they uh, have the right to, you know, uh, to, to have a fair uh, treatment. And, and for the time being, I think the whole uh, investigation process or you know, uh, the judgment from the government, I think it's far from fair. Uh, so, so, sorry, so you, you, lost, you lost me a little bit there. Um, so if, you, if we're talking about the, let's consider the, that Facebook post and the information that was revealed in the Facebook post. Yeah, my understanding is that some of it was publicly available, but the names of the schools were not publicly, were not You're in right. the media pre right. previously. So, so, when, we're coming, so when we're talking about the 18 names uh, just reviewed by uh, yeah. Mr. Leung, uh, we have to look into the de details. Uh, according to my understanding, some of the you know, uh, people uh, in the list uh, know that the information of the schools are never reviewed. Right, so, so he's, he's and, made that... Uh, public, which wasn't and public. And also, previously. some of the teachers we uh, we have not yet uh, no uh, confirmed yet, but uh, we, we are told that some of the teachers' information well, in, in that, never, in, never appear okay. in the court. Okay, in that in that case, in that situation, um, you know, whose right prevails: the teachers' right to privacy or the parents' right to know what's going on in the schools? I think we have to strike a balance between the, the two. And we have to, uh, uh, actually, I think... We if you are talking about both. serious crime, then I think a lot of parents are very worried. I think there's a recent poll that says 96% of the parents agrees that the Education Bureau should disclose teachers' misconduct, professional, ethnics and stuff. So 
I think at, the, at this moment, a lot of parents are very worried about it. So how, how can we strike balance on that? You have no, to firstly, pick and choose. Think, uh, firstly, I think about the, for the court cases, we have no... Uh, we, I, I think we, the, the names are already there. So uh, they are being reported in the newspapers. We have no doubt about that. Uh, the only thing is that whether Mr. Leung is really reviewing new information is some of the... Uh, is, is, that is the problem. So I think well, for, the, for those who are no, uh, no criminals or for those who are no, uh, taken to the court, no, even they are not yet uh, convicted, uh, their name also appear in the newspaper. So that is under the, uh, you know, the law. The law has already provided that kind of power to, to do that. But for others, teachers, we are talking about the other, the other, the other set. The other set is about talking, uh, so the so-called misconduct, the professional misconduct. Uh, they, they are not being child in the court. So that's the, that's if, if we are going to release the names, so that is what uh, Mr. Leung is trying uh, to force the government to do. That's the, that's he the is judicial not trying review. To force those, you know, uh, yeah, uh, and, in the and court. that's another point. I think because of this incident, a lot of parents will figure out that also for like sexual offenses that conduct by teachers, that the record will not be released. Uh, publicly, I think that that strikes a very important alarm for a lot of parents as well. So, do you think it's important? Maybe at this moment, we we should review the whole system and look at what sort of information should be released out for the for the like it's the right to know, isn't it? So, at least I think well, we we need to have a fair and 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 well established procedure for the. So it's time uh, to review uh, this the whole whole system. Yes, of course we can review it. The the input, the, the the whole system has been criticized by. Uh, the teachers' union for for many many years, we have to improve it before you know, having a, a very fair procedure, uh, you know, which is really you know, uh, you know giving uh, teachers uh, justice. I think well, uh, it's. Uh, but it's not only that. about giving judges to like 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 fairness to teachers, isn't it? Like, me, from your perspective, maybe because like those are your voters and those are teacher unions. But for no, parents, no, it's, it's, not, it's for not, parents, education is <laughs> not only education is not only about working on a job, isn't it? Education, the court of education, is not not to misguide kids and stuff. That's why the parents are worried. No, uh, if you are talking about there is any misguiding guidance uh, uh, from the teachers. Like promoting uh, separatism, like bringing them uh, to front line, things like that. But that happened, isn't it? Uh, well, if there is any, uh, any case like that... Uh, well, That's why there, they're worried. There, there is complaint. There, there's complaint. Uh, they can complain to the school, they can complain to the uh, government, uh, the Education Bureau, and it's already happening. So there are a lot of uh, channels that they can do. They are not, uh, no, they can, uh, and if the teachers later on, uh, they are judged to be uh, committing misconduct, they will be punished. And for the time being, uh, for example, when we look at the recent case of Sindos Primary School, we obviously know that the, the whole process is unfair. So if you are talking about releasing the name of the teachers, it's doing double unfair to, to the teachers. 
So I think why is it unfair? Can you be uh, more specific on the unfairness? No, uh, we know that. You no, know, the uh, the accusation by the education bureau on the teacher is about you know uh, purportedly spreading the idea of Hong Kong independence among the students, and there, and we have already shown that there, there is no evidence on that. So, and and the government decided to disqualify that teacher, so that the whole thing is unfair to the teacher. And and uh, and in I think a lot of parents of are bad to differ. And in terms of procedural justice, there is no justice at all because there is no set procedure. There uh, and and as in every professional, just like law lawyers and accountants, the 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 whole procedure is uh, no. Uh, put out, stipulated into law, and also there are fair trial, uh, true uh, hearing, and so on. So all these are absent in the uh, profession of teachers. Right. So I think that is totally unacceptable. Okay, uh, Kerry Kennedy, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you much indeed for joining us. So what do you think about this? What do you make of uh, C.Y. Lang, uh, in particular the, the, the Facebook post and the information revealed on these 18 uh, teachers? Well, I, I, I think there are two principles that are operating here. The, the first one is that parents certainly have a right to know what's happening uh, in their schools. The question is, uh, what, what should they know? What is it that... Uh, is important to be revealed to parents. If there's a process going on in a school where a teacher's behaviour is being investigated, then you have to wait until uh, the process has been finalised. You, you can't be releasing names of people um, because you think they may have done something wrong. So I think that's the first point, is if you're going to, re if you're going to release names, then make sure that all the background information, the issues, what has happened, has, has been through a process, people understand the process, and here's the outcome. Rather than the kind of vigilante approach, which is Siwai Lung's approach, uh, of just releasing names, whether they've been in the public or whether they've not been in the public, and without any indication of what the processes have been uh, to make the determination. And in this way, you can meet both the rights of the parents to know what's happening in their schools, and you can safeguard uh, the, the, the professional aspects of how you deal with teachers or any professional in reality uh, who are seen to be uh, what the chief executive would call the bad apples. But you can't just accuse people or release people's names because you think, they probably are, or that they might be, or they have done something. Yeah, I think in the case of the Facebook uh, posting, that these are people who were facing charges. They were facing charges in court. Is that legitimate? I mean, is, in the sense, is that uh, you know they don't come out of nowhere. They are they are facing charges, but they haven't been gone through the legal process. So, where does that fall in your categorization? take any if you take any case you always want to know what the outcome is because there can be a court case the outcome of which is that the person is innocent sure so you're saying that should that shouldn't that shouldn't be done until there's a verdict of course not i mean what 
in what other context would you release the names of people, charging them to be guilty, before they've actually been through a legal process? Well, the, um, uh, that's generally the way. No, I mean, their, their names are already, uh, are already out. They're in the media. They're, they are reported. Uh, it, you know, there are circumstances yeah, where, where there are secret, mm -hmm. uh, whether names are kept secret, but in this case they're not. Um, so the names are already out. So what CY Lung do, was doing in this case, as I understand it, is compiling those names and also finding out where, if, they, if there were teachers and, and putting the school names to the, uh, to the teachers' names. Um, so again, is that, would you consider that legitimate? What, what CY Lung is doing is grandstanding and acting as a vigilante. We have a government, we have processes. He doesn't trust the government, he doesn't trust the processes, so he goes off and does it on his own. Freedom of speech. I, I, well, Compiling information from newspaper. I think that's an interesting question. Is it freedom of speech? Yeah. To, what to about what happens like last year? Like a lot of the politicians and like police officers, they have their private information posted online. Like, and we what, don't hear a lot of the legislature complaining about it. And that's called doxing, right? Okay, we, let's, let's well, hear... that happened last year? Sure, let, let's hear from listeners, because we've got, we've got strongly contrasting views, I think, uh, on uh, this topic. Okay, uh, David says, Doxing refers to the criminal act of disclosing a person's private personal data to the public. Ipkin Yun, as a legislator, should know the difference. Where was his outrage and condemnation when thousands of people and police officers and their family members were doxed online by the anti-China yellow camp with the tacit support by the pandems? In contrast, publishing the names of the 18 teachers and their alleged criminal offences by CY Lung has nothing to do with doxing, as the information was already publicly available, having been reported by various media outlets. The public deserve to know if their child attends a school which has rotten apples, trying to incite hatred against their own country, attempting to turn them into street fighters and future terrorists. Thanks, CY. Well done. That comes from David. And Herman says, I don't re ever recall Ipkin Yun condemning protesters who doxed individuals or the police disclosing victims' ID card numbers, the names of their family members, etc. Yet the second CY Lung republished the names of teachers accused of criminal acts by citing published news sources, drawing a attention to names which have already been disclosed by the local media, it was jumping up and down, spewing outrage. Mm. You know what's outrageous? The local education sector, which does everything but admit it helped produce a generation of local students who lack intellectual curiosity and initiative, who only want to be spoon-fed, who can barely speak English, forget Mandarin, and are less capable of critical analysis than a rice cooker. To say that many local students pale in comparison with their mainland counterparts is a gross understatement, and I am not the only person that's taught local and mainland students who knows this. That comes uh, from uh, uh, Herman. Alan says, CY, naming and shaming teachers, is a truly evil act by a person who has proven himself that many times. It's designed to destroy the lives of teachers, to expose them to risk of violence, to target them for police harassment. Carrie runs away from confrontation. CY revels in making it worse with indictive personal attacks and anyone who does not follow the CCP line. If, as awful rumours have it, he's doing this as part of a campaign to be reappointed CE, we'll have literal, literal carnage on the streets. That comes uh, 
from uh, Alan. G says, as usual, CY is doing his best to fan flames. If parents are genuinely concerned for the welfare of the children, are they so incapable of taking sufficient interest to find out what their children are learning and meeting their teachers, knowing who the teachers are? If not, then they maybe they should be left to their indifference. They will certainly be uninterested in teachers not teaching their children. That's uh, from... Uh, G and J says, "Why are we letting CY Lung interfere with other people's lives? He and his government was the start of the downfall of Hong Kong, and he wanted to get RTHK budget cut. And what right does he have to interfere with teachers? If they teach politics in schools, maybe he has a point. But if they don't teach politics, it's irrelevant. And to destroy someone's life and career is sick. What they do in their private lives is their business." That is uh, from uh, J. And uh, on Facebook. Um, let's just have a quick look at uh, what people have said there. Uh, TC says the uh, professional teachers union should emulate the police force and get a court injunction on publishing the particulars of those uh, individuals. Miles says I just can't accept indoctrination at school no matter what ideologies. And Commie says agreed. So the patriotism actually brainwashing to love the CCP education the love to love the CCP education is not acceptable either. That's from uh, Kamu. Thanks for thanks for, for all those comments. Um, uh, Ip Kinyun, uh, yeah. w- what about the comparisons? What about people were saying uh, how this is um, uh, you know this is to compare this to doxing uh, is very yeah. misleading. And there was you know the, the doxing was a favourite weapon of the yellow camp of your camp uh, last year. Um, so you're just just desserts getting this. Yeah, um, I think. Well, uh, I, I think uh, people are trying. Uh, uh, we have to separate two things. We have, two, we have been talking about two issues. One is to uh, yes, the same. about private the, information. I, I have not yet started. So I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, we have to separate the two things. One, I'm talking. I was talking mainly on you know, releasing the name of the professional misconduct. That is on another issue. And we, when we come to the, the releasing release of the 18 teachers name no uh, i think we, uh, we if we are talking about from legal point uh Lung might be you know benefited from you know, those information has been published okay uh, according his information and 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 but i think well if we are if he is using another uh, that we would i would describe as naming and shaming tactics no, uh, but that was the tactics that of, you guys were using, using last year, to innocent people, to police officers, to their parents, and to their students. Yes, yes, I'm just Everyone's. talking about those. I'm yeah, the people's information if, addresses, if phone number, and even the ID number we released, and they were asking the kids. They were asking people to take revenge on kids in different schools. I didn't hear you say anything last year as a legislator. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hope that I can be... I, 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 Do you think I, they did deserve okay, it because okay, they are less of a human? I have not finished my point. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Mr. Yep. Yes, I, I, the naming and shaming tactics should not be used to, against anyone. Should we use that tactic towards policemen uh, or you know any any people here? Are you going to condemn the behavior think, last year? Yes, I, I, I don't like any shame, naming and shaming tactics. But you were doing nope. that last year, isn't it? No, on your Facebook no, poses, no, on your lot of no, poses. No, Do you think no, they deserve it because the views are different no, to you? I, I, no, I oppose any uh, violence uh, and, uh, and I, I oppose any uh, uh, behavior that doesn't respect other people. 
well, I, I want respect for all people, okay? So if you are thinking you know, naming and shaming policemen is not correct, the naming and shaming tactics for teachers Criminals. should also not be. Not, and we are not about talking the release of name of criminals. We are talking about naming and shaming tactics. That is different. Uh, release, reporting the names of the, in the newspaper about the, those who are in the court. Okay, that is, that is the informa- right of to information. But compiling those information and try to deliberately uh, shaming these people and causing troubles and releasing the school names of the schools is a totally different name, different things. And this is a moral issue. This is not only a legal issue. Uh, yeah, Kerry Canada, you, 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 you agree with that? You think he's stirring up trouble, in essence? Well, I, I think... So we've only this, got about 30 seconds left. Yeah, what this whole conversation reveals mm. is that no one seems to have any faith in the legal system. If teachers are before the legal system, they will eventually be declared guilty or innocent, and once that happens that the registration process comes into place. That's an open, transparent process that we ought to respect because that's why we respect the law. And if you're going to go above the law, no matter which side of politics you're on, you then take Hong Kong in a very bad direction. And I think we need to think about that very carefully. Okay, well, Kerry Kennedy, thank you very much for your Just a couple more comments. Uh, TC on Facebook says, Re Nixie's uh, comparing experiences of teachers and cops. Sympathy towards teachers affected is a classic example of Haruki Marukami's egg wall dichotomy. That's on um, whose side are you on, the egg or the wall? The police has the support of the government and most likely the Chinese government. Uh, that's uh, from uh, TC. And uh, S says, CY trying to manoeuvre into position again. Toad to our new masters, yes. Thanks for those for those comments. Thank you very much to uh, Kerry Kennedy, Professor Emeritus at the and advisor at the Education University, and Nick Kinyu in the Education Sector, lawmaker. We're going to be talking about uh, Shenzhen, Greater Bay Area, Xi Jinping after the news at uh, nine. The weather mainly cloudy with sunny periods. Twenty-five degrees. The latest readings. Relative humidity is now at seventy-two percent. Reduced the number of clubs in the English top flight and provided more funding for lower divisions. But it would have granted much more power to the big six football clubs in the Premier League. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Backchat on a Thursday morning with Nixie Lamb and me, Hugh Chiverton. We were talking in the first part of the programme before nine about uh, C.Y. Lang and uh, his uh, role in uh, outing uh, teachers. Uh, we're turning in the second part of the programme between now and 9.30 to uh, Xi Jinping, his uh, speech yesterday, his actions in uh, Shenzhen. Uh, we have with us now Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist. Alan Lung, who's governor of the Path of Democracy. Jean-Pierre Camberstan, political science professor at the Baptist University, and Winnie Tam, a founding member of GNEXT, a youth think tank established in 2015 to advocate policy discussions. Good morning to to uh, one and all. Just a couple of uh, comments from uh, uh, listeners uh, to kick us off. Uh, on Facebook, TC says, if Shenzhen or Macau or any city in mainland China can replace Hong Kong in any capacity, the Chinese government would have done it by now. Most importantly, if Hong Kong can be successfully replaced, it had been done without Beijing and its cheerleaders endlessly banging the drums. 
and uh, S says all new cities will develop faster as the basic research and development which is required and takes years of research by free-thinking people is in place for these cities to apply and build. So it's a matter of copy and paste. Done. In a way, it cannot be a direct comparison for other cities. For example, example railways, uh, new cities will just need to copy and paste new systems and done. They will not have to undo the existing and then redo. That's uh, from uh, S. Uh, Jean-Pierre Cabestan, maybe we start with you. Good morning. Thanks for, 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 for joining us. Um, uh, she said quite a lot. Uh, what do you think was striking and what do you think was particularly relevant for us living in Hong Kong now? Well, what you said, uh, well, first of all, good morning. Thank morning. you for inviting me. Well, what Xi Jinping said uh, yesterday in Shenzhen was much more um, related to Shenzhen itself, to the Greater Bay Area. And the role, of course, that Hong Kong can play in the Greater Bay Area, uh, but it, it looks like it's not a, a central role. So I have the feeling that Hong Kong has been a bit sidelined, you know, marginalised. I mean, you literally got you literally got that with Carrie Lam's position <laughs> on the on the stage, didn't you? She was right right at the back at the edge. Yes, I mean that that was quite a humiliating in a way, but uh, some people may have a different view on that. But, uh, at the same time, if, if the thing, sitting uh, thing in the central government wants Hong Kong to be more integrated into the Greater Bay Area. And um, as I said yesterday morning, I think, on RTHK Radio Speed, uh, Hong Kong can still play a role as a financial hub, clearly, and that uh, as, you know, raising uh, money, uh, organizing IPO. I think the Hong Kong stock market can play a crucial role in. Is uh, in, 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 in gathering money for new investments in high tech and innovation. And the other area uh, that has been mentioned earlier on, the, on your program today is a universities education system. Some universities presidents, have, I'm sure you've noticed, have been invited. Um, HKU, HKUST, and Chinese U uh, president were invited yesterday to the uh, uh, to the commemoration of the. Uh, uh, opening of the uh, special economic zones uh, 40 years ago. So clearly they have a role to play in uh, basic research. Now the question is where the applications are going to be developed. And they develop in, in Shenzhen. And that's why we have campuses in order to... Uh, Okay, Professor Camperson, I think we're, we're having some trouble with... Let's see if we could get you back on the line uh, uh, in a moment and just return if we can get a better signal. Um, let's go perhaps to uh, Alan Lung now, Governor of the Path of Democracy. Good morning to you, Mr Lung. Good morning. Thanks for joining us once again. Okay, what, what did you make? Did you, did you see anything uh, new in what was spoken of? Or what do you think is in particular the relevance for, for uh, Hong Kong? Well, uh, it can... What the president, Xi Jinping said, can only be, be a very high-level thing. But from Hong Kong's perspective, particularly from the Hong Kong SAR government's viewpoint, I think it's, it's a wake-up call. Hong Kong has been underachieving in terms of uh, economic development, but particularly compared to Shenzhen's innovation and technology. Uh, even Xi Jinping didn't get it this way. Uh, it was forgotten when he left office for seven years under under uh, his uh, uh, after after he left office, and Hong Kong has been underachieving. 
Hong Kong Hong Kong policy making process has been dominated by civil servants. And the civil servants basically don't still don't believe in, in, in uh, you know policies and integration of Shenzhen, which is rated the second best innovation center in the world. But it has to be rated together with Hong Kong, Hong Kong's R and D capacity. And they haven't Hong Kong ITR government hasn't been making good use of, of those and been focusing on financial markets and maybe a bit of trade. How do you think Hong Kong can catch up then? Hong Kong cannot catch up with the policy process is still dominated by the civil service. And nobody from Hong Kong can get through the civil service because they simply don't believe in it. A whole a back of the policy uh, speech, I mean, I could predict uh, the way it was put together very, very quickly. And very few people can, can talk to, uh, to uh, other than uh, your party, the, the DAB and so on, can talk to the Hong Kong, Hong Kong ASEAN government. And probably people like Susan Wong, who spoke earlier, uh, uh, on the on the money talk program and Hong Kong has very strong lobby of infrastructure building and they, Hong Kong thinks economic development means building more roads, more rails, and so on. And and this is Hong Kong's traditional economic development model and ignoring the explosive you know tech sector where, where wealth can be created from nothing. And Hong Kong actually has very good potential that has been wasted for nearly 20 years. That, that's a reference to the to, to the Our Hong Kong Foundation, yeah, and that was uh, earlier interviewed. Uh, one thing I didn't really understand was that Xi Jinping was saying that the the rise of Shenzhen showed what could be achieved through the comprehensive and accurate implementation of one country, two systems. But I thought, you know, Hong Kong was one country, two systems. Why, why is Shenzhen an example of what can be achieved through one country, two systems? I think he was referring to the future. Uh, Shenzhen is an immigrant town. Uh, you travel into Shenzhen when, when it was possible. Mandarin is spoken, except on taxi. Uh, a wide, a spoken language in, in Shenzhen is Mandarin because it's an immigrant town. And basically, Shenzhen attracts people from all over China to, you know, this is the Wild West or the California of, 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 of China. And the achievement is clear, and Hong Shenzhen is really leading the innovation and technology uh, development of China more than the, uh, the Yangtze Delta area and Beijing. Do you think some of the rules and regulations down in Shenzhen is going to take a change, like similar to Hong Kong system or something like that? Because they're, they're, my, they're comparing my, under, that. my understanding is uh, they're trying to get uh, Hong Kong system, uh, particularly some of the legal system, at least in the commercial area, uh, implemented in Shenzhen and the openness and so on. But one of the things that is lacking in I think Chongbie Kabistan talked about briefly is they, they cannot build university in in 40 years. So they are trying to rely on Hong Kong University, the very strong R&D output and so on, which is really underused. Many patents in Hong Kong are sold, are sent to the dollar, to Shenzhen Company. And because of the policy, the, the mis, misdirected policy of the Innovation and Technology Bureau, 
I mean, innovation and technology uh, departments and so on, because uh, that that is a that that is a real situation. There's no, despite of the very strong uh, R&D output in biotech and uh, electronics and so on, those were not commercialized. It's impossible to commercialize those things in Hong Kong. Okay. Well, okay. Also with us is, uh, is uh, Winnie Tam from GeneXt in our central studio. Good morning to you. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed for for joining us. Uh, Xi Jinping did say that uh, uh, he has urged more young Hong Kongers to work, study, and live in uh, in mainland China, particularly the Greater Bay Area and Chen and Shenzhen. Um, uh, there seems to be uh, some reluctance among young people uh, in Hong Kong uh, t- to do that. What, what's your take on that? Why do you think? Uh, what do you think of the attitude of young people towards uh, working in the mainland? Um, I think from what I hear, I think a lot of um, youngsters, whether it's students or young professionals or working individuals, they are actually very eager to find more opportunities, not just job opportunities, but also also opportunities to live a better life. And um, speaking of reluctancy, I think it goes back to how the government uh, promote the benefits of GBA to an ordinary citizen, because to, um, to a lot of people, I think the uh, policies in GBA benefits mostly the business owners or senior professionals rather than the really young people or ordinary citizens. So I think there's a lot of work to do here. And um, for for the youth sector um, in particular, I think they are, if we look at the number of graduates um, who are from um, STEM majors, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Um, actually, a lot of them, a lot of these graduates, they find it very difficult in Hong to find a job in Hong Kong. So I see there is really an opportunity for for these students or these graduates um, from Hong Kong to go into um, to work in Shenzhen or the greater well, rest of the Greater Bay Area, um, so that they have more opportunities or more time to develop their skills and, and expertise, and ultimately when they return to Hong Kong, they can bring back the expertise and um, benefit the Hong Kong society. They'll get paid a lot less. That's going to be a big consideration, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. The, the pay gap, it's its something that is worth considering. So is there anything that the Hong Kong government can, can do on that, on that front? Is there a subsidy or is there any any way that um, we can we can? promote the message better or any other measures that we can collaborate um, with not just Shenzhen but also the rest of the um, nine, nine plus two cities. Um, I think that's worth a discussion. And um, what's more, I think, is uh, for Hong Kong to think about is really about its positioning. Because now we are a lot of us talking about Shenzhen being the key driving engine of GBA. And I think it's just the right time for us to rethink about what Hong Kong stands for, um, under, to understand what we are good at. And that is actually a very meaningful discussion that we want. I mean, there's a consideration that they wouldn't be paid so much. Yeah. Uh, there's also the consideration that um, there'd be a, 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 a fish in a very much larger pond that you, you think it's competitive in Hong Kong. Uh, you're entering <laughs> an arena where there are a million times more, more competitors. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough uh, working in the Greater Bay Area and making a mark in the Greater Bay Area. Uh, and it's uh, in some respects, it's kind of safer to stay at home. Um, yeah, I think it's 
um, of course, there is a lot of competition, um, whether it's just in Shenzhen or the or the rest of the Greater Bay Area cities. Um, but I do think that a comparison or competition like this is unavoidable somehow. Um, but how we how we make it a healthy competition and how we leverage opportunities and the developments there. I think this is really the key. And and we, we should not forget Hong Kong still has its edge. Um, like you said, education, um, finance, and also language. I think these are all that we should consider well, and leverage. When you're talking about like having a better life earlier, what, what do you mean by that? Like what, 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 keep, what, what the youngsters were actually saying that they might have a better life up there? Um, I think for for youngsters, I think most of them are still looking at the prospect after their graduation. Because when we when we talk to talk to students or fresh graduates, um, what they really con- what they're really concerned one of the key things that they concern is what can they do in the future and are they going to have a family in Hong Kong um, or, or elsewhere. I think this is this this has triggered a lot of discussion and the and the uncertainty um, due to various reasons, including COVID, I think that's, um, that's really the pain point for them. What about uh, things like the information? What about feeling, you know, uh, cut off from the rest of the world? Um, the, you know, if you, if you go and work in the Greater Bay Area, there's a firewall. You can't use Facebook. You can't use Google uh, effectively. You're in a kind of different sphere, aren't you? Do, 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 you, do people talk about that, the young people that you deal with? Are they concerned about that? And, and how would you address that? How would you, you can't just ignore that if it's a reality. How would you, how, as I say, how do you deal with it? Um, I think it's, it's really hard to ignore, but it's not something that, um, that happened just recently. It's, 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 it's been the same in that front um, previously, even before um, 20, 20, um, 2019. So um, when people move into the Greater Barrier or China or mainland China, um, that, is, that is, of course, what they have already considered. And I think a lot of youngsters, when they, when they think about moving into like, working in mainland China, it doesn't, it doesn't, to a lot of them, it doesn't mean that they are going to stay there forever. So, so when they move back to Hong Kong, they, they, ha- they do have access to to Google, Facebook, and um, and even if they work there, they, they come back to Hong Kong like every every week. So it shouldn't be a lot of a, a huge problem for that um, in that sense. So I think I think I think it goes back to like how the how the government really 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 relate the message to the benefits of them. What is attractive there, and what can they gain? inside uh, mainland China um, versus Hong Kong. And is there, is there any um, leverage that we can have? Is there anything else that they cannot do in Hong Kong that they, can, that, but, that they are able to do in mainland China? Um, I think that's, that's the key talking points. Mm. Alan Lung, yeah, go on. China mobile card, a dual number card. You can see Facebook in the mainland, even in Beijing. Sorry, if you, if you get, get a China mobile card, yeah, like a number card. card. Yeah. Okay, uh, Andrew Lung is with us also. International. Hi. Good morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. What, what, what do you make of uh, what uh, what was said? What do you think was new in what President Xi was saying yesterday? Well, as someone who uh, oversaw um, the uh, Transmig- 
transformation of Shenzhen from a fishing village. Um, when I was deputy, only deputy director of industry, uh, overseeing the um, uh, migration of Hong Kong's industry into the Greater Bay Area, I'm very, very interested uh, in uh, our young friends' remarks uh, just now uh, as to what is Hong Kong's role, what are the opportunities for youngsters in the uh, Greater Bay Area. And I'd like to address some of the points. Um, as far as the salaries are concerned, let's not forget that the cost of living, um, uh, particularly the cost of housing, even though it's quite high, but it's nothing compared to Hong Kong. Um, and then, of course, uh, you've got to uh, compare what's the, the, the buying power uh, of the sort of a package you receive uh, on uh, in the Greater Bay Area. The other thing is that sometimes um, the opportunities are not confined to just employment because there are lots of opportunities for startups, uh, to for young people to start their own business, businesses, as is what happening uh, what's happened on the mainland. But on the other hand, one has got to be realistic because um, in the Greater Bay Area, there's also very keen competition uh, amongst the graduates uh, on the mainland and the graduates from Hong Kong. Now, um, Hong Kong graduates, of course, is world class, but then if you're operating uh, in the environment in the Greater Bay Area on the mainland, then you're competing with people much more knowledgeable um, about the local conditions and much more and much better connected. So I think that um, uh, there's a question of competition as well. But I think that what um, uh, Beijing is likely to uh, to consider uh, in order to help young people to integrate into the Greater Bay Area is the um, question of recognition of their qualifications on the mainland. I think that would be a great help um, if um, they're, they're, they're qualifications, particularly um, professional qualifications, uh, could be uh, equal, um, recognized, and also access to affordable housing, uh, because the um, um, affordable housing on the mainland are only restrict, uh, restricted to mainlanders. So I think that these two areas are very important, but I think that the uh, overall um, strategy is correct, because uh, now, especially uh, with even with the, without uh, COVID-19, uh, the opportunities, economic opportunities in Hong Kong uh, are, are relatively limited. Um, when I say limited, I mean it's, it's not wide enough. It's confined to finance, it's confined to property, it's confined to logistics. But on the mainland, it's, it's almost the sky's the limit. So I think that simply opening up this kind of opportunities to youngsters would attract um, um, the kind of aspiring young people um, to the mainland. Yeah, I'm just thinking, not many, not many places, you know, urge their young people to leave and, and work somewhere else. Mm. Um, that's a strange thing to do, isn't it? I mean, you know, you get places that say, you know, you might say, yeah, go and go and work as domestic helpers overseas or something like this. But in, in general, you know, you'd think a government's job would be to to look after retain. its constituents and, yeah. and retain the talent. Exactly. Yeah. Rather than saying, go somewhere else. No, not necessarily go somewhere else. Well, Do you know anywhere else that does that, that, that urges its young people to, to leave? No, I mean, that's not the idea. I, uh, the idea is that, of course, Hong Kong is, is, is one country, two systems. It's unique, not only in China, but the, um, the rest of the, uh, the whole world. But um, there is a role for Hong Kong to play, because uh, even though Shanghai is a financial center, there's no comparison with Hong Kong um, as far as the, uh, the whole ecosystem, particularly the rule of law. Uh, I mean, Hong Kong is, is governed by, is under British law, uh, under the, the, the common law, uh, which is international. It's much. It's very, very different from 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 the rest of 
China. What is but I think the way that young people, um, as I said, it's not just a, a employment opportunities. Uh, there, there are opportunities for startups, and uh, for example, the uh, the world's largest. Uh, drone company is started by a Hong Kong person moving into the mainland. It is now you know, the, the largest um, uh, drone company in the whole world. So I think that there's that tremendous opportunities. Also, there's another uh, road Hong Kong could play, which is, of course, is the connection of the Greater Bay Area with the Barron Road. And the Barron Road connects um, China to the rest of the world. And I think that Hong Kong could, could uh, tap into that. I mean, the young people could tap into that as well. Mm. Jean-Pierre Cabestan, you, you, you're there? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. I think the connection is better now. Okay, yeah, that's, that's really good. Okay, yeah, what, what about the young people? As I say, there seems to be a reluctance of young people. Yes, to... I mean, um, I tend to be more uh, sceptical about uh, uh, Hong Kong young people, you know, moving to mainland China and to Shenzhen. Among my students, they very reluctant. I mean, you mentioned the, the Internet issue. Yes, it is. Of course, you can use VPN in China, but it's getting harder and harder. And the, the environment in, in Shenzhen is quite different. So, yes, some of them, because, I mean, it's a trade-off, because maybe their salary and the cost of living, uh, salary will be higher, and the cost of living will be lower in, in China. But they don't feel like they want to go to, to mainland China uh, to stay for a long time if they want to go. And uh, so I think the Hong Kong society and among young people is, uh, particular, is pretty divided. And, you know, there's been a lot of talks about young people trying to move uh, outside of Hong Kong, you know, if they can't, uh, because of the new national security law and a uh, new environment. So uh, I think it's uh, not everyone is going to move to Shenzhen. But clearly, from a Beijing point of view, the idea is to better integrate Hong Kong uh, in the Greater Bay Area and make and turn and maybe gradually change Hong Kong people, young Hong Kong people identity, you know, making them more Chinese. Whether we are Chinese. <laughs> yes, but I mean, you see what I mean? I mean, it's, they, are, they feel more, many, according to opinion polls, they, they feel more Hong Kongese than Chinese. So that's the, uh, that's the problem. And um, now whether it's going to succeed, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big question mark. Now the problem for Hong Kong is that, they've try, I mean, Hong Kong has tried quite a number of occasions to develop uh, you know, new technologies and new, you know, there was a science, uh, cyber, cyber port uh, project and a science park project. Those projects have not really uh, been very successful. And, uh, and clearly, um, Hong Kong has not demonstrated an ability to uh, develop its own high tech and innovation centers. And that's the issue. Apart from universities, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, it's hard for Hong Kong to develop itself a, a, a high-tech high uh, basis. So that's why uh, universities are cooperating with, with the mainland. They have set up the campuses in Shenzhen in particular in order to apply the basic sciences which they develop uh, maybe in Hong Kong University. Now, one issue which has not been mentioned here is the fact with the new national security law, but also with the growing decoupling between the, the United States and China, um, well, the question is whether Hong Kong, you know, science um, uh, uh, university will be able to remain connected to Western universities, or whether there will be limitations imposed by the Americans, by the United States, on technology transfers from from the West, from from the, from the United States to Hong Kong, because Hong Kong is part of China, and the technology are going to end up in Shenzhen in mainland China. So there is, I think, a question I need to raise here because uh, uh, it's going down the road 
to be an issue for Hong Kong and, and the Greater Bay Area. I think one trap we often talk, often fall into when we talk about youngsters in Hong Kong is that we we oftentimes generalize everybody. So um, actually, when we talk about reluctance, it's it's not it's certainly not that like 100% of young people they they are reluctant of um, China. Mm-hmm. And um, when referring to your earlier question, Nixie, um, about urging our youngsters to go into uh, go into um, the mainland China, I think it's I think the the um, we're not we're not pushing all of them to move into mainland China, and it and it oftentimes we're only talking about um, industries like uh, tech, technology innovation um, or or maybe maybe some startups. So it's definitely not all of them. So when we when when we talk about the number of job opportunities, we we don't we, we're not going to have a million jobs in in mainland China available for Hong Kong people. So um, with the limited space, we are actually serving. A, Limited number of Hong Kong youngsters, I would say. Okay. Would that be possible for for us to maybe attract some of those students to work in Hong Kong? Like, because we were talking about like nine cities plus two, right? <laughs> so, what about like having some of those ta- like technologies or something like introducing back to Hong Kong? Would that be possible? Yes, of course. I think there is a lot of synergies there. For example, when we talk about 5G in Shenzhen, there's, there's a lot of there's a huge development there. And um, if there are talents um, who, as, 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 um, as other speakers have mentioned, is very competitive in China. So, so are there anyone from from Shenzhen or the Greater Bay Area, or even other parts of mainland China? Can they come to Hong Kong? Because Hong Kong has we have space for them. We have we have we have some roles, and we need those expertise. So they're actually in high demand. Okay. Well, many thanks for for joining us. Uh, one more, few comments from listeners. Actually, they're all from one person from Jay. This says, "Ah, Shenzhen, new business hub. Is this why the property cartels aren't reducing property prices? We're selling our property to Chinese contractors and China Chinese, or does China plan to house their officials?" in Hong Kong. Uh, uh, Jay says, Hong Kong doesn't want to be integrated into Dia Bay. We need heavy internal infrastructure and building to make Hong Kong electronics and computer hub. Uh, uh, he says, people working in the mainland now have another tax. It's not cheap to travel back and forth. Less, less got jobs in Hong Kong. CY's government started that. Uh, more on CY in a moment. But for the moment, thank you very much indeed to, to uh, Winnie Tam, the founding member of uh, uh, GNEXT, a, a youth think tank established to advocate policy discussions. To Jean-Pierre Cabestan, Professor of Political Science at the Baptist University. Alan Lung, Governor of the Path of Democracy. And Andrew Lung, International and Independent China Strategist. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, one and all. Yeah, on CY. Alan says, the idea that protesters releasing information about police et al last year is the same and justifies details released by CY and his buddies is false equivalence. First, actions by protesters are uncoordinated and no one knows who did it. No democratic group advocated or approved it. Whereas this is an act by a former chief executive of Hong Kong. Should he not be held to a higher, not lower standard than anonymous protesters? Second, consequences. What harm actually came of any of the police who were doxxed? The occupation of police is not secret. Everyone knows who they are. Were any attacked? Did any lose their jobs? Of course not. Yet the naming and shaming of protesters can destroy their lives. Some have emigrated to escape persecution. CY's stated aim is to stop them from ever working again. That is from uh, Alan. John says CY is attempting to ignore the courts and legal procedure. He seems bent on vengeance on anyone who disagrees with him. This is thuggish behaviour reminiscent of Red Guards in the Cultural Revolution. It's not patriotic and threatens the rule of law. Ironic coming from a bit of a bad apple himself. That 
that is from John. And uh, he says, in regards to your topic, as a parent, I feel I have a right to know about the threat posed by individual members of the policing profession to my children. Can I find out which police officers have used excessive force against young people? Are there any equivalent processes in place equivalent to the very public disqualification of a member of the teaching profession by the EDB to identify and monitor such conduct on the part of police officers in the interest of protecting children's welfare? Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, Nixie, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, back at 8.30 tomorrow, living now with the weather... Uh, it's going to be mainly cloudy today with some sunny periods and a maximum temperature of about 28 degrees. Now, look, sunny periods in the next couple of days, slightly cooler early next week. The reading's now 26 Celsius. The relative humidity is at 72%. The symptoms of COVID-19 can be mild. Don't go to work or school if feeling unwell. Wear a mask and consult a doctor promptly. Ask doctors at accident and emergency departments, general outpatient clinics, private hospitals, or clinics for free testing provided by the Department of Health. Return the specimen to a designated collection point or use the door-to-door -door specimen collection service for a fee. Test promptly for early detection. 33, the news with Samantha Butler. An infectious disease expert suggests activities such as the live performance by the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra should be suspended until more information is known about a suspected COVID-19 case of a musician. The entire orchestra of around 100 people has been quarantined and despite the low risk to audience members, they've also been urged to have COVID tests. A mainland congressman says he believes President Xi Jinping's call to attract more Hong Kong youth is aimed at the separatist sentiment that emerged from last year's social unrest. On an RTHK programme, NPC Deputy Wang Guan Yu blamed negative media reports for young people having a misunderstanding of the mainland. And police are out in force on the streets of Bangkok after the Thai authorities issued an emergency decree to break up large anti-government demonstrations. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. <coughs> The news is done and back chats through And so it's time for the morning brew, yeah Got special guests here in to speak To maybe help you plan your week, yeah They know just what is going on Around Kowloon and Old Hong Kong We've all been working with different concepts. Social media, they ridicule people, they come on the radio. Oh, he's that's tricky, he's the tricky one. But he's so eclectic. I think that 